West Bowles, good morning. Hey, for the last, uh, well, since the beginning of January, you have been watching that video. And if you've been here, we, you know that each of those icons that you saw up there in the video, they represent a value here at the church that we've been talking about, about who we are as a church. And before we walked through any of this, I actually, because um, you've been learning about what, it, what each one means each week, I showed the video to Lincoln, our five-year-old. And um, I had him, I just paused it on each one, um, to have him take a guess at what value um, or engagement of a value that represented. And so I'd like to walk you through what Lincoln thinks West Bulls is about, okay? So, we have a video up here? It's coming, okay. So we're gonna pause here. So I paused it here and I said, Lincoln, what do you think this uh, means? Like if you're thinking about the church, and he said, boomerangs, boomerangs. Um, okay, so we'll go to the next one. Got to the next one. This is pretty straightforward for him. He said trees. We grow trees. So, so boomerangs and growing trees so far. Kept going. Okay, this was interesting. I, I thought maybe, he, he doesn't know what a rotary telephone is. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Um, here's what he said. Eyes. We have lots of eyes. It's like, lots of eyes, like people? He's like, like spiders. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Okay, so we kept going. Again, pretty straightforward. He said, we're human beings. We're human beings. I was like, with spider eyes, apparently. Keep going. This, he just, it was simple for him in his five-year-old world. He said, we run in circles. We run in circles, <laughs> which... Looks like many of you on Sunday morning, actually. So, okay, we'll keep going. This was, he pretty much got it. We walk, we walk. So, there we go, we walk. And then the last one, let me bring you to this one. This is what we're talking about today. But Lincoln's interpretation of this was, we cry, we cry. So, if you're new here, according to our five-year-old son, we are a church full of people who throw, we throw boomerangs at human beings and make them cry, okay? Um, and some days, if I'm just being honest, that is a very fulfilling thought. Um, <laughs> well, if you, if you haven't been here the last couple months, we, a couple months ago, um, we went through a transition here at the church, and we have been talking about a direction for the church here, and that direction really came out of something said by a man named Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said that God has given us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation, which simply means God has a heart to and desires to reconcile people who have been separated from him back to him. And so it's out of that that this new direction, a redefined and, and um, new direction came out of that for this church. And it was simply this. You've been hearing about it each week. That this would be a place where we connect with Jesus, we connect with people, and we connect people with Jesus. And the last seven weeks have really been about talking about what does that look like here? What does it look like here? Because I don't know anybody in this room, as we talked about it, who wants to get to the end of this life and go, well, I just passed the time. No, we've talked over and over about how we really want to put life in our time. And God, as you look at that passage, God wants to put life in our time. 
And so what does that look like here at West Bowles? And we've talked about seven values. Let me, let me walk you through those real quick. The first one actually was not boomerangs, all right? I feel free, but um, it was simply this, that we value the authority of God's word. And so what we said was what Jesus says is greater than what we say. That when it comes to my decision-making and my living and all of it, what Jesus says has authority. And, and from there, the other part of connecting with Jesus was simply an attachment to Jesus, nearness to Jesus. We were in John chapter 15, and Jesus talked about abiding in me, remain close to me. And we simply said that it's not our job to produce the fruit. That's what Jesus does. He will produce fruit if we'll protect the root of our connection with him. Then we got into the second part of that direction about connecting with people. And we, we talked about, that's actually community up there is what those dots are, not spider eyes, okay? But what we talked about were that we can pursue community with people, but when we looked at the passage that day in Acts chapter 2, there's a piece in there about us getting right, about us getting our heart right with God. And, and he uses this big scary word in there that we don't like to think about, and some of us have baggage around called repentance, but it's simply the act of getting my heart right here and going a new direction. And so he said it's out of our unity with Jesus. It's out of unity with Jesus that we have community with people. From there, we talked about that human body piece because as Paul talks about the church, he describes it in terms of a body. And he says every single one of us has been given a spiritual gift for the building of the body. And so we, we simply said that we build Jesus' body by giving from our gifting. That is, everybody ought to know what their spiritual gifting is because you have a contribution to make and I have a contribution to make. And then finally, we talked about the generational piece because in 23 years here at West Bowles, even if the faces have changed, you know what has been here all along? Are all kinds of generations. And we talked about this in the fall but we also talked about how important it is that we pass on not how we do life, not how my generation did life, not how the one before me did it or the one that comes behind me ought to do it according to what I think, but how Jesus did life. We pass along how he lived, not how we lived. And in doing so, we pass along the message of Christ from generation to generation. It's how the church has survived from day one. And then finally, last week, we got into this third piece of that direction, connecting people with Jesus. And we simply, we simply realized in looking at the life of Paul, Paul who went all over the world, who probably lived out the Great Commission more visibly than anybody we read about in the New Testament, he constantly was walking with people. And the key and the secret for him to walk next to people was in talking with Jesus. And we said, what we do is we talk with Jesus and we walk with people. If you want to fulfill the Great Commission, if you want to connect people with Jesus, well, it, it comes from this simple idea that we walk with people, that we talk with Jesus about that walk with people, which finally leads us to today, to that teardrop, how to make people cry, all right? So, no, there is a ripple effect there is a ripple effect when you give your life to Jesus, and it is intentional. In fact, Jesus had it in mind as one of the last things he said before he ascended into heaven. 
He was, he was standing there talking to his disciples. And we read this last week, but let me read it to you again. He said this. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And verse 21, they sprinted out the door and took over the world. Not really. There's no verse 21 in Matthew there. Uh, but it would have been tempting. And oftentimes, as I think about the church and I think about that great commission, I think we get really, really amped up and we charge out the door especially in this area that, that we know, especially if you've grown up in church, you know this area called missions. And truth be told, missions is not a some of the people here thing. It is every single person in this room has a mission. But there's this one piece that I don't know that I've heard talked about a whole lot. Because while that's the end of the conversation in Matthew, Luke gives a little more detail. And he talks a little bit about what happened after that conversation. And as we get into the beginning of the book of Acts, look at what Luke has to say. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is after Jesus had been, he'd been appearing to people, showing many, it says, many convincing proofs that he was alive. They had seen him crucified on the cross, and yet he's showing up. And he's showing people, he was eating food, he was showing them the nail marks. And so he's showing people all these convincing proofs. And it says on one occasion, this is verse 4 of chapter 1 of Acts, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Okay, wait, Jesus, wait a second. You just said go and make disciples of all nations. And he said, yeah, there's, there's something you need. There, there's going to be something you need before you go. Do not leave Jerusalem, but Wait. But wait, that's hard, isn't it? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. We get this, right? Some of our favorite movies, Luke Skywalker, Before You Go, You Need the Force in this sweet lightsaber, okay? Frodo, Before You Go, You Need the Fellowship. And Jesus says, disciples, before you go, you need something. And he goes into it next, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do, do you know what you need? On your best day, on your absolute best day, with the most strength you could have, guess what? You still need that gift, the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes what I think happens, especially in the area of missions, whether it's walking one-on-one -on -one with somebody or going to the far ends of the earth, you know what we do? Especially the American church, we charge out the door. And Jesus says, you know what? It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter what you take out there if you haven't gotten that gift here. If you haven't been filled with that gift because that gift is going to inform everything you do out there. I want to read you something. This is from a book written by a man named uh, Brian Fickert. He wrote this book called When Helping Hurts. And he talks about um, missions, specifically within the American church. And he quotes this missions expert, Miriam Adney, 
a story she told um, by an Afri- she was told this story by an African Christian friend, and this is just so insightful to me. This uh, African Christian friend said, uh, "I want to tell you this story. Elephant and mouse were best friends. One day, elephant said, "Mouse, let's have a party." Animals gathered from far and near. They ate, they drank, they sang, and they danced. And nobody celebrated more and danced harder than Elephant. After the party was over, Elephant exclaimed, "Mouse, did you ever go to a better party? What a blast!" But Mouse did not answer. Yeah, you know where this is going. But let's enjoy the ride, okay? So,、um, Mouse, where are you? Elephant called. He looked around for his friend and then shrank back in horror. There, at Elephant's feet, lay Mouse. His little body was ground into the dirt. He had been smashed by the big feet of his exuberant friend Elephant. Sometimes that is what it is like to do mission with you Americans. The African storyteller commented, "It's like dancing with an elephant. It's like dancing with an elephant." Now, as a quick aside,、um, there was this、um, kind of sick part of me that got joy out of this because we have a mouse in our garage right now that is chewing everything, and I just thought that's a beautiful story、uh, for our garage. Okay, not a beautiful story when it comes to the idea of mission and impact, because oftentimes in our exuberance to charge out the door, we can actually run people over. And I, I never saw anywhere where Jesus said that you minister to people by running over people. You just don't do it. And so that gift that he talked about that we receive, it actually has three specific implications for us as we go, as we think about mission, as the church, as we think about going out. There are three things in the next few verses that I think God just illuminated to me specifically over the last couple of weeks that I think we've got to keep in mind. That I think are a huge part of missions already here at the church, but that we could gain some clarity on. It goes on. Jesus, on the heels of saying this to him, is answered. Verse six. Then they, the disciples, gathered around him and asked him, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" Now that question that they ask reveals so much about where they're at. Because that word "restore," while we read "restore." In English, the original language really points to something else they were looking for. They were looking for this territorial restoration and this political restoration. They said, "Look, we look around and we don't like what we're seeing."、And、so Jesus, I know that you can you can at least restore this to the way we like it. But then they use this word Israel. They were thinking about something. Totally outside of what Jesus had been talking to him about, they were also thinking in terms of national power. How are you going to make us the greatest, Jesus? And then there was the statement in there at this time. They wanted their version of how things should look right now, and they totally overlooked what Jesus had had pointed out in verse three of this chapter. It says this. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Do you notice that difference? They had in mind the kingdom of Israel, and Jesus had in mind the kingdom of God. 
And I read that and I thought, oh wow, how small our plans must look when we go before him and we ask him to make things right. As much as I want to point the finger at them, I go, that's me. I have my idea of how it should look. And Jesus had a response. He said this, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. In other words, you guys may think, Jesus is saying, you guys may think that I'm part of what you want, but truth be told, now that you're my followers, you are part of a different kingdom. You are part of what I want. You are part of my plans. And that's the first thing we have to remember. As we go, it's his plans, not ours. It is always his plans, not ours. We have a neighbor who um, has a bunch, a bunch of firewood from a tree company that he has. And we've got a little rack for firewood in our garage. And there was just this, this puzzle-making, Tetris-playing side of me that I was looking at it, and I was like, it's really bare right there. I want to find some firewood to fit in there. So I went over, talked to my neighbor, and I said, look, I'll buy a few pieces of firewood. I just want to fill this firewood rack back up. And there, was this, there were like a few sizes of firewood I really had in mind. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I can just, I have a truck. I can bring over a truckload. I'm like, no, no, I just, I just need like three or four pieces to fit in there. And he's like, I'm happy to load it up right now. You and I can load the truck. And I was like, no, I just want to fill up our, our rack is like, like this. And he's like, Nathan, stop. I have a truck. We will load an entire truckload of firewood in, down the side of your house. And I just thought that's what we do. Here's God saying, I have incredible plans in mind. If you could just... If you could just get off this one little piece of firewood. Well, the conversation continues, and Jesus illuminates something else. <clears throat> he says this, But you, you don't know the times, you don't know the places, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember the plans they had in mind. They had territorial plans. They had political plans. They had immediate plans. And so the power that they thought was going to make that happen, well, it probably looked like the kind of thing that would make that kind of thing happen. Maybe they thought military force. Maybe they thought there'd be an uprising. They're looking for all these kinds of things. But this is a different kind of power. This is a way different kind of power. While they thought maybe human strength or might or power, he says, no, this is, this is spiritual power. This transcends borders. This transcends human strength. This transcends time. And there's another reminder for us in all this. He says, not only is it my plans, but it's my power that you go with. Uh, do we have children of the 70s and 80s in here? Children of the 70s and 80s, raise your hands. Do you remember, I still remember it, fourth and fifth grade, Reebok pumps. Reebok came out with the pump shoe, and I remember seeing the commercial. Okay, Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman is wearing these Reebok pumps, and uh, he would like pump these up, and then they'd show a highlight of him just swatting everybody. And I just thought, whoa, I'm going to be Dennis Rodman. 
I'm totally built like him. And, and then I saw footage of uh, Dominique Wilkins dunking a basketball, and he's wearing pumps. And then finally, the icing on the cake for me was a man named D. Brown. He played for the Boston Celtics. 1991, the NBA dunk contest. He took a good 30 seconds at the beginning of the dunk contest, reaches down, just starts pumping his shoes. I was like, oh my gosh, these shoes are amazing. And he, I mean, he did dunks that day that had never been seen before. Now, like high schoolers knew him. But he had one, the one that won it, took off and in midair just does this, like not even looking at the hoop and dunks it. And I just came off the couch. I'm jumping up and down. I immediately ran over to the neighbor's house and started, I lowered their hoop to like three feet and I'm just dunking all over the place. It was amazing. And I said, Mom, I gotta have pumps. And she said, no, we, we just can't get those right now. And so I think I asked her every day for the next year. And then finally, when pumps were going out of style, I got a pair of pumps, okay? And I remember I pumped those things up. Pretty sure I broke them on the first try because it fills the shoe with air just to create a cushion. And I remember I went outside, and uh, honestly, I think I had the hoop at like five feet, and I was not five feet at the time. Anyhow... And I started going for these dunks and uh, tried to raise it up to six feet. And I noticed I just wasn't getting, I wasn't getting the same kind of lift that like Dominique Wilkins and Dennis Rodman and Dee Brown were getting. And I came in and my mom said, well, that was quick. You back already? I was like, shoes don't work. <laughs> they don't work. It's a scam. Dennis Rodman's a liar. So is Dominique Wilkins. And I hate Dee Brown. And I remember just saying, Nathan, it's not the shoes. It's the one who fills those shoes. It's, it's the one who wears the shoes that takes flight. They could probably take flight without the shoes, Nathan. And I read this and I went, oh my goodness. It's the one that we allow to fill our shoes, that empowers us to go, but too often. We're relying on our strength. Pump, 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 pump. No, it's the one who fills the shoes. Jesus says it's the Holy Spirit. You go with his plans in his power. And one other thing. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I often wonder is a church and I don't mean this church, I mean like the church worldwide, if we've somehow taken that word witnesses and taken it to mean we're warriors and we charge out the door like the elephant that we talked about earlier. And I think about who was standing there. I mean, you had Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot who could probably come across very aggressive at times. And Jesus, I wonder if as he, as he said that, he thought about Simon and said, look, no, tone down the aggression. Tone down that thing in you that just wants to sprint out the door. You are a witness. And then I thought about James and John, the sons of thunder, who, as we talked about recently, they actually had an occasion where when people would not, would not welcome Jesus, they said, you want us to, let's call down fire on them. Let's get them. Come on, Jesus. And Jesus is going, no, no, you, you missed it. You totally missed it. And I wonder if Jesus, as he said this word witnesses, if he looked at them. Or Simon Peter, who was constantly putting himself up front, 
constantly speaking up, constantly the first one to answer if Jesus said, no, witness. You're a witness. Because Jesus says, look, there is a power to your witness that has nothing to do with what you can do for me. When you go, you are not my warriors, you're my witnesses. You don't need to add anything to it. All you need to do is tell people what you've seen, that Jesus, he's alive. He's alive. See, that's what you take, disciples, when you go to Jerusalem, when you go to Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You take a witness. You take a testimony of having seen that Jesus is alive. And as we think about missions and we think about um, bringing physical help, and we, and we talk about medical relief and building things, it's interesting to me that every place I see Jesus do that in Scripture, he meets a physical need and he ties it to the spiritual need. And he meets a physical need and he ties it to a spiritual need. And Jesus says, before you run out the door, wait. Because the Holy Spirit, it will help you with, it will give you my plans. You will have my power. You will have my witness to all people. All people. Let me read something to you out of that same book. This was very interesting. He says, while people in poverty mention having a lack of material things, they tend to describe their condition in far more psychological and social terms than our North American audiences. Poor people typically talk in terms of shame, inferiority, powerlessness, humiliation, fear, hopelessness, depression, social isolation, and voicelessness. North American audiences tend to emphasize a lack of material things such as food, money, clean water, medicine, housing, etc. Isn't that interesting how when we think of poverty, when we think about the greatest need for somebody in another country or somebody who's poor, even within our own country, we think material. And that is okay. But he says, you know what? There's a deeper need to it. That's why Jesus said, you know what you need to take? Of all the things, take the physical relief, but you really need to take the witness because it's through the witness that people rediscover their worth, their dignity, their value. And that is what Jesus constantly was doing anytime he came across a physical need. He said, I want to tie that together. Years ago, we connected with a ministry here in Denver called Victory Outreach. It, they had a men's home and a women's home for um, people that were coming out of gangs. And we would go down there, even the youth group would go down there once a month. And we went down there on one Tuesday night, and it was just a time of sharing testimonies with one another. And I connected with this guy named Freddie. Freddie had recently come to Denver and found Five Points right away. Um, and in Five Points, there was a lot of gang activity. But he had come from Atlanta. And he had been in a gang in Atlanta. And he and I connected on that evening, that first time. And as we were talking, you know, I just I was trying to find a, a connecting point with Freddie. And somehow we got on the topic of dancing. And I don't know why, because I do not dance. And... Um, he, he showed me a move, which I'm not going to do for you right now, but it's called the bankhead bounce. And the bankhead bounce was um, just something, he said, we just, we did this on the streets of Atlanta in this region called bankhead. And, um, and so he taught me the bankhead bounce and he said, what you got? And I was like, I've got the Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's what I've got, <laughs> Freddie. 
So I taught him the Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and he taught me the Bankhead Bounce. Well, later that year, we had a Christmas gathering where our entire church went down to Victory Outreach, and we brought Christmas gifts down there, and we also, there was a service down there, and some people shared testimonies. And I, I decided um, to get Freddie a watch. So I brought this watch to Freddie. I'm so excited to give it to him. I hand it to him, and this little girl who also lived down there as part of the women's home, she walked up, and she asked Freddie if she could trade the Barbie, she, no kidding, a Barbie that she had just gotten for his watch. And everything in me was like, don't, no, don't do that. That's a bad trade, Freddie. I mean, you're a gangster. You came from Bankhead in Atlanta. I don't even know what I'm saying. And he made the trade. I was like, Freddie, what? He said, the watch isn't a big deal to me. I mean, thank you. But he said, I just want to dance. Because you and I have a connection, Nathan. We're dancing partners. And I went, oh. And I thought, there it is. See, there's something inside that Jesus wants to meet. And as we go on mission, wherever that is, we go with that mission and that message. We bring physical need, whatever's needed. We start up conversations there. We have long-term relationships with places. In fact, as I think about West Bowles, every mission area we have has been an established long-term relationship. And it says, look, we're here to meet physical need, but we also want to walk with you, like we talked about last week. We want to walk with you. And so in light of all that, there are many, many mission opportunities here at this church. And there are many that are pretty specific to some ministries here, but if you were to look at what Jesus just said, Jerusalem, if you were to look on a map, you'd have Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And as I looked at that and I thought about West Bulls, I thought, wow, the opportunities God already has here in place for us. It, it's pretty incredible when you look at it. And so I, I want to just talk through these four areas briefly in ways that you could get involved, we can get involved as a church. It doesn't mean there aren't other missions going on in other ministries here at the church, but church-wide, we really have an opportunity across these four. And as you leave today, actually there is a table out back, we have these mission cards. These mission cards, just so you can get more information about the different missions here at the church. But let me talk through these real quick. In terms of Jerusalem, if we think very locally, we thought in terms of church-wide missions. And on the back of this card, you'll see the church-wide mission opportunities that every single person in this room can get involved. And we don't just mean giving. We mean giving and going. In other words, some people can give, some people can go, but everybody can be part of the mission. And many of you already know about them. We've got a food bin out here in the foyer that we've connected with the food bank over at Light of the World. You can bring food in anytime, set it in this bin out here, and clothing in this bin over here. So we have food and we have clothing, clothing connections. But we also have, when you leave, you can give a dollar every single week because constantly there are needs coming through the door that God is bringing before us. And so we ask, if you've got an extra dollar on you, to drop that in the bin on your way out, is a way that we can, we can meet somebody's need as the church when they come to us, but also establish a relationship. And then finally, you hear about it monthly, a donate item of the month. 
there are a number of different ministries that have incredible connections throughout the community here. And so we ask for a donation of one item for one of those ministries per month here. So you can read more about that on that card. We also have community-wide missions. Community-wide missions, there has just been this relationship that God has brought here with the special needs community here in the area. And we've connected with an organization called All Stars that uh, they basically host a Friday night event for the special needs community once a month at different churches, and West Bowles is one of those churches. And when it comes to that, what we're really looking for, they constantly are trying to bring their volunteers, but they're looking for 40 volunteers every single month from West Bowles. And, And I've been here long enough to know the hearts of the people here to serve are incredible, and I've seen it over and over and over. We would love for all 40 of those volunteers to come from West Bowles once a month. You can read about the dates of those upcoming events on the back of that card. Nationwide missions. Okay, for those of you who get, want to get really technical, I'm aware this is not within the borders of the nation, but it's about 10 minutes the other side. Juarez, okay? We have had a relationship for years with the people in Juarez, Mexico. And John Trovinger, uh, Brian Burns, Dave Larson um, are among many people who over years and years and years have gone to Juarez in many different capacities. We have a dentist at the church here, Rich Callahan, who's gone and done dental work down there. We've built houses down there. It costs about $10,000 to build a house, but there will be a team tentatively going in November if you're interested. Uh, But we also take Christmas boxes down there. The whole church Um, puts together Christmas boxes so that the kids down there would have a gift at Christmas. So if you're interested in that, that card will be out there. And then finally, worldwide missions. Peru. Since 2003, we've had this incredible relationship with Peru. And many of you know Pastor Evert who comes here. He's constantly flying back and forth from there to here. But um, just over a year ago, we, we built a house, or not a house, a school down there in Peru. We were able to raise the money to build a school, and we now fund that school every single month. A guard, a nurse, teachers, assistant teachers. And there will be some opportunities coming up that you can read about on the back of this card to possibly purchase a chicken, sponsor a student who can then take care of the chicken. They can learn about feeding that chicken over time, and it really does do something incredible for the kids down there as they learn and as they grow, but it's also accompanied with that gospel message. And so, as you can see, there are many opportunities here to carry his plans in his power to all people. And so I'd encourage you to stop by the center table on your way out. And one more thing you may have noticed as you came in, these bookmarks. This is really the series that we just walked through. These bookmarks, if you didn't get one on the way in, please grab one on your way out. Because as we've talked about this direction, connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus, well, I just believe that is a mission and a direction for not only every single one of us individually, but for us as a church. And as we talked about last week, it's probably not going to be running out the door and affecting the masses. It's going to be one person at a time. And so as we've walked through this series, if God has put somebody on your heart, it's not an accident. There's a reason for that. So grab one of these and say, God, show me. Show me how I can be reconciled to you, 
how I can be reconciled with people, but I also want to be a part of reconciling people with you. With that in mind, I'll invite up the worship team for one more song. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and um, in, the, in the midst of a season of transition, we see your faithfulness all over the place. And so I ask, right now, if you haven't already, lay on the heart of every single person in here, lay on their heart each of these areas. Where do we need to reconnect with you? Where can we find that connection with you again, be reconciled with you? Likewise, when it comes to people, where do you want to reconcile us with one another? Out of our relationship with you, where do you want to reconcile us with other people? Show us our gifting so that we can be part of the health and the vitality of the body of Christ. But also let that be a thing that generationally we can pass on your love, both to those who have come behind us and those who come after us. And finally, Heavenly Father, lay on our hearts somebody that you so desperately want to find and connect with. And Lord, it may be as simple as just extending the invite to say, hey, why don't you come with me? Let this be a place, Heavenly Father, where we connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. With that in mind, we pray with great gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.